that you would bless our time together. We ask, Holy Spirit, that uh, you would help to uh, just eliminate possible distractions and things that might get in the way from um, better understanding and better learning what you have for us. And we pray, Lord, uh, that you'd also bless uh, the kids downstairs and the kids next doors, uh, and that you would just bless uh, the seeds being planted. And we just ask, Lord, that you would uh, help us to understand better what it means to be good stewards um, of what you've given us and what you expect from us. So, God, we thank you uh, for the time this morning. And in Jesus' name, amen. So, um, as I was thinking about uh, what we're going to be talking about, um, you know, one thought I had this week um, about the topic, uh, about kind of like what we're, where we're going to be headed, um, is one emotion um, that I think rings true for so many of us that's like maybe not on the forefront of our minds, that's maybe not uh, the first thing we might say that we value a lot. And so, the thing that I'm talking about is this idea of being recognized and being appreciated. Being recognized and being appreciated. That's like a pretty heavy-duty one, isn't it? Don't you think? Isn't it feel amazing when you feel recognized and appreciated either for what you've done or what you said? Um, That goes a long way. And then also many times that um, can make whatever you have to do next so much easier because you've just been recognized and appreciated really for what you've just done. Um, This past week, uh, you know, during the week, right, I teach uh, high school math uh, at a school there and um, one of the things that I have to do at the school is I have to write like recommendations for kids for different things. And I always laugh every time I do that, you know, that I have to write, you know, the recommendation for them. Um, If they only really knew my true background, how hard it was for me. But now I write the recommendation. It's weird how life works sometimes. So I have to write these recommendations. And um, right about this time of year, there's a lot of recommendations, uh, or kids are asking for recommendations, uh, maybe to transfer to go to other schools. Uh, Maybe not necessarily because they don't like the school they're in now, but for what they do, so maybe they're a good athlete, maybe at basketball, or maybe they're a good football player, or maybe they're really good at hockey or something. So they start to come in, uh, and they want to transfer to these schools. And the teacher has to like write a recommendation and do them. Um, I happen to get a lot of them because I teach math. And uh, for this particular student, um, I, felt, I know I did a whole bunch of them. I, I don't even know how many. And I have a lot of other kids that have a whole bunch, so it like adds up very quickly. And... Uh, I missed his. I just missed it, you know? Just missed it. There's also a good amount of time I put them out and procrastinate. But for this particular one, I just missed it. I happened to get a lot of them done. I did better with them this year. And so uh, I get a phone call the other day um, from uh, the father. And uh, he says, uh, hey, is this Mr. Murphy? I said, uh, yes. He said, you know, uh, my son, uh, you know, so-and-so, um, I don't know if you got a chance to fill out, you know, his recommendation for such and such school. And I was like, I was like, honestly, um, I did do a bunch. I, I think I did, uh, but I'm not positive, so I'll go back and check. Um, I said, I'll check my email, because you could do some of these digitally, like online, or you could write them out in a hard copy. 
And uh, he goes, okay. He said, that's fine. He said, I just want to call and check in with you. He said, because the school, the, the admissions officer from the school called, and they said they didn't get it yet. So I was like, okay, well, I dropped the ball somewhere, so I'll go and check. He goes, you know, I really appreciate the fact of you filling this out for my son. He said, I know you have a lot of things to do. I know you filled out a lot of these things. I just want you to know that I really appreciate the time you're putting into this. Wow! Like, that just changed my whole day right there. That was just, it's amazing the power that that has just to feel appreciated um, and recognize, like, what we're doing. It's amazing. And I'll tell you what, as soon as I hung up the phone, there was not even an ounce of procrastination there. It's like, man, I want to knock this thing out. Man, thanks so much, you know, for recognizing. And, um, you know, that's another thing in relationships, right, that we try and do. That's the struggle. I say try because it's a struggle. In relationships, right, in a good relationship, um, we try and do a good job of, like, recognizing and appreciating, um, you know, the type of um, maybe efforts and vulnerabilities um, that the other party, you know, is doing. And so, um, what a valuable skill it is, if you can do it, to really have, like, radar on what other people are doing and make a special to recognize it and validate it and let them know that you know. It's huge, right? It changes everything. And it's painful when you're communicating and now both parties do that, right? That's where the difficulty comes. And so that's like maybe one will hold back or not do it or, you know, who knows? We get into this like bad place and it makes things very difficult. Um... When it does get difficult and it gets to the place where it's not kind of going how it should go, um, sometimes the temptation can be, um, at least from a Christian's point of view, of, you know what? I can't wait till God deals with them on that one. Because he's going to hold everybody accountable and responsible for it. Um, the other side of that thought is that God is also going to hold us accountable and responsible for our stuff. That's not the real fun one. It's always great to get the other person, but it's not real great to get our stuff. Um, And our passage this morning kind of focuses on this idea. Um, And for the Christian, there definitely is an issue of responsibility, but there's also a huge issue of accountability. That's not the so sexy word. That's the sombering word. There's a big issue of accountability. Um, and so that's what our passage this morning is going to kind of talk about. We'll talk about that a little bit and kind of see um, all the dynamics and what's going involved. And so uh, your Bible's already open there. I think we said page 702, right? Matthew 25. Um, and we're actually um, in verse 14. Now last week, we talked about verses 1 through 13. And just so you know, I just want to give you a heads up. Um, not a long thing here, but on the slide here, just so you know, and I think in your bulletin there's a couple of um, like spaces there to fill in, fill in in blanks. Um, last week we did verses 1 through 13, and we talked about the parable of the ten virgins, right? This wedding feast and about how some were wise and some were unwise. And so um, this bridal party was waiting for the bridegroom to show up. He could show up at any time. Um, Some were prepared for that, and some were not prepared for that. And Jesus equated that um, to saying, hey, listen, 
you also don't know when I'm going to show up. And what that's exactly what day, time, or hour, we don't know. So be prepared, right? Because we're catching this conversation with Jesus where he's talking about the end. When is the end going to happen? What's it going to look like? What, what are some of the signs? And he gives some of the signs of what it's going to look like. And then he tells these parables to further explain his point. And the parable last week with the ten virgins was focused on communicating the need for preparing. Let's just make sure we are prepared, we are ready. The five unwise virgins, they didn't have oil in their lamps which are kind of like tickets to get into the wedding, they didn't have that ready for whatever reason. But the other five wise ones did. And the five unwise ones that didn't have it ready, right, they could not get in. And Jesus said, it's going to be like the last day. Make sure you're prepared and you're ready. Don't put it off. This is way too important. So the focus on this parable of the talents... Right? Our prayer this morning is focused on communicating the idea of how to prepare. Well, great. Let's be prepared. Awesome. I think you know, we could probably all agree on that. But maybe the difficulty might be is, how do I prepare now? Okay, like, what do I do? I've got to live my life today. I've got stuff to do this afternoon. Right? We have family. We have relationships. We have responsibilities. We have things to do. So how can we prepare? So we're going to take a look at that. So Matthew 25, let's take a look. It says, at that time... Oh, sorry, verse 14. Sorry. Verse 14, it says again, it will be like, what's the it? The end. The end of the age. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants... Okay, that's an important word. You might want to underline that or circle that. be like a man going on a journey who called his servants... And he entrusted his property to them. It says, to one he gave five talents of money. And next to that word talents, you maybe have like a little letter there, a little subscript, a little uh, A or whatever it might be. If you look at the bottom of the page, it says maybe around $1,000. You know, it's a large sum of money. Some people debate on what it is, but it's a large sum of money. So to one he gave five talents of money, to another uh, two talents, and to another uh, one talent, each according to his ability. That's another important phrase you might want to underline or circle. It says, then he went on his journey. So the man that gave out the stuff, now he goes on his journey, goes away. Verse 16. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. Verse 17. So also the one with two talents gained two more. Verse 18. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. This is interesting. You might want to underline this one too. After a long time, that's going to be significant. You might want to underline or circle that. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. Say, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. It says, verse 22, The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, You entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. Verse 23, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
Verse 24 says, Then the man who received the one talent came, Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. So verse 26, His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him, and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will will have an abundance. Whoever does not have... Even what he has will be taken from him. And he threw, or and throw that worthless, wow, servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So interesting. So somehow, the signs of the end of the world at the end, when the end happens, it's like ten virgins who are going to a wedding and have five wise, five unwise. It's also like a master who owns like this land is going to leave and he's going to leave some money, some talents, not abilities. Right? I talked about dancing and singing, talents, right? Let's play on words there, right? right? So it kind of fits, okay? But we're not talking about like that kind of thing, right? Talents referring to money. So he gives um, some money, right, to each person. Um, he comes back after a long time to settle accounts, and obviously, he's favorably looking at two of them and not favorably looking at the last one. So a couple of things we can pull out and then we'll dig into this and see what does it have to do with me. Um, here's uh, some things here, some observations. First observation is there is a master who entrusted with an expectation. There is a master who owned the land. He had all the stuff. And what he did is he entrusted the money, the talents, with an expectation that they would then somehow gain more, uh, get more, produce more, be busy with what they got. The idea was to earn, was to get, was not to sit on it and just hold it, but was to earn and was to gain. That's really important to know. Second observation was that each was not given the same amount, which is interesting, right? It says that they were given according to their abilities. And so one he gave five talents, one he gave two, one he gave one. Which number three there, even though they didn't, weren't given you know, the same stuff, two got the same reward. So, like, what is that about? What's the motivation there? Um, maybe if you're given more and you're responsible with more, and you got more, that'd be maybe motivation to do more. Well, maybe that's not quite the point of the parable. But it's a good question to ask. And we're going to look at that. And the last observation, some heavy language, right? One servant is worthless. It's a big time word to use here. Big time word to use. So we'll keep this slide up. We're going to talk about a couple of things um, that we can dig into here. Um, I think I put a verse up there from Joshua. Right? Joshua. Check out this verse. I'm sorry, sorry it's difficult to read. I'll, I'll read it for you in case you can't see it that well. 
And it seems weird to go back to Joshua, but um, that first observation that there was a master who entrusted something like with a particular goal in mind is really important. Because this is a parable. And the point of parables is to tell a story um, that illustrates a spiritual truth. That's the point of the parable. So, let's see if we can pull it out. So, Joshua 5. Check this out. It says, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho. So, Jericho is the place... Remember, you may have heard the Bible story of they marched around Jericho seven times, they blew the trumpets, the walls fell down. Tell me that's not insane. Like, what battle plan is that? And who, what general draws that up? Put the, like, weapons down, put the swords... Put the... Just blow your trumpets. That sounds stupid. But that's what God had them do, right? Sometimes His ways may seem stupid to us, but we have no idea what He has in mind. So, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite with him, his sword drawn. This is intense. He lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite his sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for your adversaries? So he was like uh, praying um, at this point in time. He looks up. He sees it. Can you imagine? You're in your room, in your house, in your car, wherever. You look up, and you see this guy sword drawn. You for us, you for them. Like that would freak me out a little bit. Maybe it would freak you out too. Verse 14, so he said no. But as commander... Of the army of the Lord, I have now come. He doesn't even choose sides. He says, you know what? I am the commander of the army of the Lord. That's a big time phrase right there. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. And said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Look at that word servant again. That comes up again, right? We read that in our parable. Verse 15, it says, Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. It's very interesting. So Joshua comes face to face with Jesus himself, the commander of the Lord's army. And we know this is not just some other angel, because angels would not allow themselves to be worshipped. They do not. Because they recognize they are not God. They know who the God is. And they are not Him. And they don't even want to get that confused in any way, possible, shape, or form. And you see that through the Bible when you read, when people have come in contact with angels, where they've said, no, 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 don't worship me. Get up. I'm just here to give you orders from the man. So Jesus, commander of the Lord's army, sword drawn. It's heavy duty. So now if we go back to the other slot. There is a master entrusted with an expectation. Part of this parable, the first observation is, there is a master who had servants. The master in this parable is God Himself. God Himself. And Jesus has come here, right? God incarnate to represent God. And Jesus is a commander, the army of the Lord. So that means for those of us that would call ourselves Christians, that have maybe surrendered to Christ, our lives to Christ. I'm not saying we're walking it out 
perfect. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we have repented and surrendered to Jesus and we are daily trying to walk this thing out. If that's the case, what has happened is that when we've confessed our faith to Christ, right, we've been called with the term born again, or we've been made anew, and Christ's blood covers us. What also has happened is if you don't know it or not, we have enlisted into the army. And there are orders from that general. And so he has a particular goal in mind. There's a particular game plan. There's a particular setup. There's a particular will and a plan that he has. So everybody likes to say that, yes, God has a plan. God has this. Um, He has a plan for my life. He has a plan for this. That's true. But it is His plan with His goal in mind. See, that changes everything. Because if I think that God just has a plan and a will, and I kind of just use that as motivation for maybe negative things that I think are happening, that doesn't take care of the whole issue. Because maybe the other things that are happening are part of the end plan of the master running the whole show. So then it's okay with me if maybe those negative, difficult things happen and come up. Because it's not my plans. It's His plan, His army. And in our parable, His land, His money. And the goal in mind in this parable was that the servants would go out and do something with it. And in that parable, we come down as the servants. Right? The servants represent those that supposedly love and follow Jesus Christ. That's the point of the parable. Now the last one there, we've got to question that guy. But the other two, right, they fall into that servant category. So we good so far? We're good so far. So the parable of the talents starts off with a master as a game plan, an end plan in mind, a will, a certain purpose. So we have that question in our bulletin, right? The question in our bulletin, the bonus question there. How important is being a better person? Certainly a question um, and an issue that comes up. Um quite a bit, you know, with my friends, and I'm sure with your friends in circles and stuff. And, like, it's good to certainly be and strive to be a better person. I th- and I guess the idea is, you know, what does better mean? What are we talking about when we say better? Well, I guess, you know, it would be a good thing to strive to be a better person, meaning, like, be more patient, maybe more understanding, maybe not have, like, a such, short, such a short fuse with temper, um, um, maybe to um, invest in people in a way where maybe we weren't invested into, right? To maybe consider others above ourselves, right? So that's being part of a better person, which I think that's important, and I think that's good. I think that if you say you're a Christian and you weren't doing those things, it'd be like, well, what kind of Christian is that? But I would also say if it's a Christian, a Christ follower that claims to be, and that's the only thing that's important, I'd say that's where the problem is. Because if there is the master, if there is the commander of the Lord's army, 
Hopefully, my goal is not just a better person. My goal is to just march and follow out whatever his orders are. See, that's the goal. That's the difference. And the idea, what Jesus told us in the Bible and the Word, is that when we're marching that out, and we're staying faithful to what He asks of us, the better person stuff comes right along with it because the Holy Spirit that has come helps to work that out. So when I'm focused on His plan, His will, His agenda, the Holy Spirit Himself helps work out that other stuff that needs to be worked out. And that's why it's so difficult for some people because, man, they can just rack their brains like crazy and go nuts trying to change so many things in their lives. When God is like, hey, man, just pursue after me and let me do the work for you. God, how freeing is that? So freeing. So these guys, right, that had these talents, their main goal what they needed to do is they needed to produce now. They've been entrusted with something they needed to produce. And um, we have um, this entrusting based on ability, right? Based on ability. And so, right, let's be honest, we all have different abilities. It's just the way it is, right? All kinds of different abilities. And we're not necessarily talking spiritual gifts here. We're talking like natural abilities and we're talking resources. And we're talking whatever's like in our sphere of like whatever we can work with. So in America, we have a lot of stuff that we can work with to influence and talk and do. Uh, we can do a lot. Maybe if we lived in the Amazon jungle, we maybe couldn't do so much. But since we live here in America, we have a lot of stuff. I mean, we, most of us have the internet right in our pocket. I mean, we got a lot. And so, with that also comes a lot of responsibility, right? So, the guy who's given five, then there's another guy given two, right? One guy that has one. Um, The guy that given five, it says that he goes out right away. Verse 16, the man who had received the five talents went went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. He just went right away and just did it, just jumped in. Like, wow, good guy. Verse 17, so also the one with two talents gained two more. It doesn't say if he did it right away or not, but he gained two more. And it says, but the one who received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid the master's money. Um, the difficulty, right, with what we've been given. So I, I don't know, you know, what you've been given and what you have and, you know, what's around you, what you can do, what you're good at. I don't know if it is, you know, singing, dancing, you know, that we've talked about. I don't know if it's like being encouraging towards other people. Um, I don't know what it is. But I do know that anything that we got, God wants to be glorified through it. Whatever it is. Whether it's just a tiny, like, bit. Or whether it's a whole big amount. That's the goal. God wants to be glorified through it. And hopefully, for the Christian, right, what we're thinking, we're trying to figure out is, okay, how can I glorify God with whatever I got, with whatever it is? That's why it's tough in life when we try and, like, make more out of ourselves and what we really are. And I can just think back on my own life when I've just, like, lied about things in my life because I've somehow tried to portray to be something that I'm not. 
Right? Because what we do in that instance is maybe for that conversation or in that circle, it's like, oh, they think that way of me. Awesome. But if it's all about bringing glory to God and it's all about His story, like, I've robbed some of that. Because if He's going to do something with me and take me somewhere, it's not so I can fit in a conversation and, like, feel good about it or whatever. The goal is to, like, say... God has done these things. He is working this out. And He is the one that's done it. So when we pretend to be someone that we're not, if I'm pretending to be the five-talent guy when I only got one, I'm already messing up. We're already messing up. Man, I think the, one, the guy that has one talent, if he chose to use it responsibly the way that he should have, he probably would have been totally overwhelmed with what God could have done with that one talent. Wow, I had no idea if I'd just given God just this little bit. And the barriers that, you know, hold us up that we get sucked into, oh, you know, I can't be used, or I don't really know that, or um, I don't have the education, or my background is not this, or I've made these bad decisions, I've made these bad choices. That's a barrier for many of us. For many of us, right? If we're honest about it. And Proverbs even makes it clear that the fear of man is a snare. Like it just, it just jacks us up. Like it just freezes us up. So I'm actually very intrigued by this guy with five talents, the guy with two talents, right? Who will go out right away and they just start working. Like I want to know, did they struggle with trying to put what they had to work? Was it a struggle for them? Was there courage in there involved somewhere? Like, were people saying, hey, no, 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 don't do that, you know, come do this, or that's a bad choice, or don't do that. Like, they just went to work and got it done right away. I think the enemy of of so many of us is this idea of comfort. So many times that will freeze me up. I don't know about you, but if it really feels uncomfortable, I'm probably going to be super hesitant to do it. Even if it's part of the Master's orders, where He's made it clear in my heart and in my spirit, He's like, do this, say this, whatever it is. I don't really feel comfortable about that. How does that fall in line with the commander of the Lord's army? Can you imagine? I see what you're saying here, but... I don't really feel comfortable about that. (laughs) It's silly, right, when we think about it in those terms with that perspective. But the biblical worldview is that there is this God, there is the commander of the Lord's army, He is the master. We're here to give Him glory for this short amount of time here because the best of our lives is live somewhere else. Right? We just need to be reminded of that and just be encouraged by that. So I'm curious like, about these guys. Like, Did they struggle doing this thing? I'm guessing if they're like most people, they probably did. But the thing is, they didn't get froze up by it. They just went out and they just did it. Just do it. Sorry, it's not a Nike plug, but there is some truth to that. There is some truth to that. We want to be a Christian people where we spend our time before the Holy God because we need to do that to get our orders to understand what he's saying, to see what he might be speaking. Because if we don't do that part, then, you know, what are we going to do? We have even no idea what God is doing and what he's saying. So if we spend that time with him first, then 
comes a difficulty, and I think the enemy knows that, of, hey, God is trying to obviously tell and teach and show and guide this person in a particular way, and the enemy is like, oh yeah, I'm going to try and make that real difficult for them. I will make the finances not be there. I will make them feel insecure about that. I will remind them of all the mistakes that they made in their past. Wouldn't you do that if you were the enemy? And tell you what, if I could freeze you up for a little while, that's worth it to me. And if I can keep you for longer than that, then yes, we got you. So I'm curious about those guys, five talents, you know, two talents. And obviously we know about the guy with one talent. What was it important to him? There's another thought I had on this here. This guy with the one talent. This guy with the one talent. He, uh, he didn't work. He didn't try. And he just made excuses. He didn't work. He didn't even try. And he just made excuses. Man, that's a, just a person I don't want to be. Right? That's just motivation to just not be that type of Christian. To not be that type of private in the Lord's army. Who just, you know what, I just don't really work at it. Um, I don't even really try that hard. I wouldn't say that I exhaust myself. And uh, I just make excuses for anything that I do. Oh, man. No, no, no. We don't want to be like that, right? No. So let's try and close up here. The point of the parable, right? The point of the parable is that God Himself, He has a plan um, that He's trying to accomplish. And it says, He makes it very clear in His Word, He desires that none should perish. He doesn't want that to happen. And it also says in the Bible that there is a prince of this world that blinds the minds of unbelievers. And we also know um, that He just makes it difficult as difficult as he can for God's people every step of the way. And then we also know that this thing is a battle and that there's an army involved. That's why life is tough and that's why it is difficult. And that's why many times it gets even more tough and even more difficult when we decide to really take God and his plan and his word seriously. And that's actually what loses a lot of people. It's like, man, my life has just gotten more difficult. I've had more problems and more stresses that I didn't have before I included God into this capacity. So then we got the question, is it about comfort or is it about holiness? Because that's the real question. Do I really desire to just have holiness flow out of my life? Not in an arrogant, holier-than-thou attitude, but holiness in a sense where I just set my part, my life, myself apart just for His purposes and for His glory. So I'm trying to set, we are trying to set right, our money apart for His purposes for His glory. We're trying to set our houses for His purposes His glory. Our cars for His purposes His glory. Um, any abilities that we might have, His purposes His glory. And we are here just to serve. And that's the key word in that passage there, is that that master had servants. And whether we like it or not, um, we are servants to the Most High God. That's just the way it is. And servants, they just serve. 
They just offer what they have for God, His glory, no matter what it is, at any time. We just serve, whether we feel like it or we don't. We just got, are called to serve. So what about at the end here? When he seems kind of harsh on this guy. He doesn't get the well done, good and faithful servant phrase. That actually happens to both of them, right? They're going to get the same reward. The two people that even though they got different things, which I didn't talk about yet, they are getting the same response and the same reward because the master cared about character. Does that make sense? The master cared about character. He wasn't necessarily super interested in the bottom line number. Because the guy with five talents and with all that cash, he produced some cash. Five more. And the guy with two talents, he also produced some cash, but not as much. And it wasn't like the one who produced more got more. Because that in this parable, like it is in the kingdom economy... He's not really looking for dollar signs. He's looking for authentic, transparent, just character worship. Just, do I have you? Do I have you? Do I have your life in your heart? Do I have you? That's, that's the question. That's what he wants. He didn't have this guy with one talent. And it's not like the guy with one talent, um, like he sat on the money, you know, but the will and the plan and the agenda for the master was, let's get more, let's do more, let's be in the Christian circle we would call fruitful, right? Because that's what we're called to do as Christians. We are called to be fruitful. That's the goal. And we have a verse up here from John, John fifteen, right? What is a Christian supposed to do? In John fifteen here, it says that we're supposed to bear fruit. Probably one of the last slides on there. John 14? Not on there. But in John 15, right, what it says. Take my word for it, read it later this week. Right, for the Christian, the goal is for us to bear fruit. It says that He cuts off the branches that don't bear any fruit. They're worthless to Him. It doesn't do anything. Right, so we are just called, right, to bear fruit. We have the Galatians 2.20 verse, right? And the Galatians 2 verse, just to make the point even more clear, is that right now when we live our lives, when we give our life to Christ, it's no longer Jared who lives. It's no longer put your name in the blank who lives. Although many times it's all about me who is living. But that's not it. Right? When we become a Christian, that's not it. So it's no longer Jared or no longer whatever your name is. But Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the only life that I'm living is just for His glory anyways. Right? That's the end goal. And the guy with one talent, you know, he was just like, well, you know, I'll just hold on to this thing. um, And whatever. He didn't get the plan. He didn't get the agenda. We get the plan. We get the agenda. We have the word. We're a lot. We're responsible for a lot. And actually, we're accountable. Because at the end of the story, what does it say at the end of the parable? Verse 28, Take the talent from him, give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more. 
and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness or there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's easier for me to understand, maybe for you to understand, that not only is it important for us to be a better person, you know, and be responsible, but it means much, much more when we're going to be accountable one-on-one before God with what we have and what He's doing. Then I got some skin in the game. I can't get in on my parents' faith. I can't get in on my spouse's faith and ideas. At the end of the day, I come face-to-face with the landowner and we square up right then and there. That's the heavy-duty one. The accountability part is what really hits it home. Accountability is a spiritual principle because he has a plan. We're in his army. There is an agenda. And because we're in America, we have such access to it. We're around so much of it. And maybe the family in the Amazon jungle or in Asia somewhere, you know, they don't have, maybe they got like the half a talent. And they just got to work with what they got and God will deal with them appropriately. So the accountability part is the part that really sticks to us. So any part um, that makes this um, more difficult, I hope when we read a parable like this and we think about this, we don't think, okay, so now I just get busy, 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 and just go. Because I don't think that's necessarily the case either. Hopefully, what we heard was God has a plan, a will, and agenda for me and for my life, and I want to follow that thing out. I need to get quiet before Him or surround myself with His voice so I can, first of all, even know what He's saying. And then I want to be obedient in it, hopefully as quick as possible, to whatever He's saying. Right? That's, that's the goal. So not just busy, 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 busy. Busyness and accomplishments does not always equal achievements in the kingdom economy. Although in our world, many times we think about that. The more stuff you get done, the more productive you are, and the more like you achieved. Not exactly. Not exactly. Um, and I think one other time, one other thing that I can think of when I think about um, people and friends that I know and love is uh, sometimes um, they separate like the things of God, and then they separate like their family, or maybe friends and personal life, and it's like, oh, I'm doing things for God, you know, if they're doing them at the church or with whatever. And His battle plans are for like everything in our life. Like there's no separation. Our ministry is like at our church, it's in our homes, in our, you know, friendships, everything in and around us. So we're going to give account. He's not going to say, how faithful were you at church? That's not the whole story. Right? Not the whole story. So I just, uh, I thought about that when I was reading. I was like, man, you know, too, like I know so many like Christians and people too. It's like, hey, we'll just be busy and accomplish everything like at church and, you know, for God and then come home and it's like, what are we doing to our family? Like, how are we laying down and sacrificing and just serving our families, right? So that's the other part of the story, too. 
Um, so what we're going to do, TJ is going to come on up. And TJ is, uh, 